Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. We don't have very much enthusiasm for our mothers in here, do we? Happy Mother's Day. All right. That's more like it. So Pastor Jake is down with sickness today. We'll pray for him in a moment. So we won't be doing our next Who is Jesus sermon. That'll be next week. Thought we would do a Mother's Day sermon today. But uh, let's go ahead and pray first. Please pray with me. Dear Father, we thank you for your mercy on us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness to Church of the King. Thank you for the many, many, many blessings that you've given us, the many good things that you've poured out on us. Thank you for our mothers today. Thank you for the sacrifices they've made for us. And um, thank you for their bringing us into the world. I do pray that you would bless this day with every family. We know any holiday brings up hurt for people. I pray that uh, people would turn to you and uh, not be lonely, not be sad today, and that we would love one another. Pray for Jake that you would help him to feel better, help him to get over the sickness quickly, help it uh, not to ruin today for him. We thank you for providing Danny relief from his sickness. I pray that that relief would be permanent and um, that he would be well. Thank you for, again, all your mercies on us. And I pray that you would bless the words of my mouth now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I do want to talk about Mother's Day and mothers today. And basically, the whole sermon is I just want to say, mothers, your job is hard. Have faith. That's, that's it. That's what I'm going to say. But I'm going to say it longer than that. So I was working at home earlier this week, and it was just one of those crazy bad days for Meredith for Theo. Meredith was having pregnancy nausea or something. I don't remember. She was having a bad day. It was just one of those gloomy days. I think it was overcast outside. Theo was fussy all day, never seemed to wake up and get her act together. I wasn't getting my act together. Meredith wasn't getting her act together. Theo definitely wasn't getting her act together. And it was towards the end of the day, and it was just a series of, of things like that. And finally, we, we, it's like almost time for me to be done with work. And I'm just sitting in the room, minding my own business, doing my work. And suddenly I hear this tremendous scream, the most blood-curdling scream that Theo has ever given. And Theo's my one-year-old daughter, if anybody doesn't know. Theo is screaming. And before I was married, before I had a kid, people would always say, like, you can tell the difference between the different kinds of screams. And I was always like, I don't know what, they all sound like screams. But no, you can definitely tell the difference. And this one was the most painful scream I had ever heard. And then I hear, hear Meredith, honey, honey, come in here, come in here. She's frantic. So I run into the kitchen and Meredith is on the floor, you know, with her knees up, cradling Theo, who's screaming. And Meredith's saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And Theo's screaming, and I'm looking for, you know, the body parts or the blood or whatever. And, I mean, I was really like, my heart was in my throat. And then I found out what happened, which is Theo was, Theo's at that age where she's learned how to walk and she's learned how to get into everything. And, you know, she's pulling jars of 
poison off the and finding glass and knives. It's just, it's that, like, you take the knife and then you turn around and she's getting into the poison. It's, it's that age. Uh, we do not actually let her touch knives and poison. Um, but she's, she's just getting into everything and she was playing with the latch on the dishwasher. And Meredith was like, oh no, Theo's playing with the latch on the dishwasher. I better close the latch on the dishwasher. So she stops playing with the latch on the dishwasher. At the exact moment that she did that, Theo shoved her hand up into the latch and squeezed it really hard. And so Theo's in tears, Meredith's in tears. I get down on the floor. I'm, it might have shed a tear or two, it's possible. And it was just one of those things. And Theo was fine. Her fingers were fine. She didn't have to go to the hospital or anything like that. But man, it was just one of those days. And I thought it was a pretty good illustration of motherhood, actually. One part of it, at least. Because no matter what you do, no matter what you control for, things happen. From the moment your child is born, it goes on its own voyage, right? You can outfit their boat, you can sail alongside of them, but ultimately the water is taking them where it's going to take them. And you only have so much control over that. And sometimes the things that you do to try and control it, like poor Meredith, are the very things that blow up in your face and make your baby hurt her poor fingers. It's pretty easy to lose heart. There are many joys of motherhood. I mean, even our nation, which has its problems with motherhood, which has an abortion industry, you know, that's been in the news lately, and I'm sure we've all uh, seen things about that. Uh, there's many ways in which we don't support motherhood, in which our, our country hates motherhood, really. But even here, we do have a sentimental view of motherhood. We do watch movies where it's a mom and her kids or commercials or, you know, we, we do understand even here, even now, that there are real joys that come with being a mom. But there's also real hardships. So much of the work of motherhood can be discouraging and hard. Hard because of Physical things, work that you have to do, mothers of small children with diapers and more diapers and feedings and more diapers and sleeping and not sleeping and the baby goes to, doesn't sleep all day and then goes to sleep right before you have to take it somewhere and all that kind of thing. Even with older kids, even from age zero to 99, right? There's, there's time, there's money, there's sacrifices that you have to make. And it's not just hard because of material things, because of time, because of money. It's hard because of bigger picture things. Kids get older and they insist on turning into human beings, actual human beings with their own thoughts, with their own plans, with their own ideas, with their own godliness or lack thereof. You can't plan for everything. You can't control for who your kids become. Some things just seem to be built into them. And then you see your own sins reflected. I mean, Theo, like I said, she's one year and change old, and we already see so many of our sins. And, and Meredith sees her own sins, and I won't embarrass her by saying what they are, but it's like, 
this is a sin of Meredith. And then Theo's just doing the same thing, only she's more obvious about it because she's not smart like Meredith. And sin brings discipline, it brings punishment, it brings problems, it brings things you can't control. What if your kids rebel? What if they get in trouble? What if they make mistakes and lose things that they can't get back? Motherhood is hard because of all the fears that come with it. What if they fall from God? Yes, but also what if I go in the room and he's not breathing? What if she chokes? What if God takes her away? To love anything is to have a lot of fear. And a mother's love comes with a lot of fears because you have this this fragile human life to nurture. And no matter how old it grows, zero to 99, it's always susceptible to damage, to death, to mistakes, to sins, to problems. Love is a really scary thing. And fathers feel it too. Of course, any parent feels it. But mothers do have a special connection to their kids, an intimate connection to their kids. And by the way, this sermon is for women in this room who aren't biological mothers either. I think every mother, every woman is a mother to somebody. Little siblings, college roommates, children of the church, anyone you love, anyone you discipline, anyone you nurture. And that's hard work. That's its own, we, we could list our, make a list of what's awkward and hard about that, about all those sorts of motherings. And what about those who wish to be mothers and haven't been blessed with a husband, haven't been blessed with children, who are afraid they may not be? There's so much pain and sorrow and hardship connected to motherhood. I don't want to exaggerate, along with many joys, there's many hardships. So let's read our passage, which comes from Galatians 6, starting with verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. If you don't know, the book of Galatians is a very intense letter. It's the most, one of the most intense epistles, one of the most intense letters in the Bible, maybe the most intense book of the Bible in terms of the Apostle Paul is just dressing down the Galatians. He's disciplining them. We don't have time to go into everything, but It's a very hardcore, like, you guys need to repent and get right and figure things out letter. And then he comes to the end of it. And as as is his want, as he usually does, he has just a, a list of things like, hey, do this. Make sure that you do this. Like, here's here's all the things that like at the end of every letter, I'm gonna say this. These these are the things, like if you want a happy Christian life, if you want your church to run well. You need to do these things. And this, what we're reading, is from, from this list. So these are just the things that make a happy Christian life, right? The things that the Apostle Paul wants us to walk away with. 
because you have to imagine the letters being read aloud for the most part at the time. And, and so whatever's most important, he's going to put that at the end so you can kind of, and by the way, don't forget this. So by the way, don't forget this. Two things. You reap what you sow and do not grow weary of well-doing. We probably have, many of us have heard it that way. Do not grow weary of well-doing. Do not do, grow weary of doing well, of doing good. In due time, you will receive the reward. So let's talk about both of those through the lens of motherhood, Mother's Day. You reap what you sow. That's kind of depressing. I think that's kind of depressing because <laughs> I don't sow anything good. I mean, I hope I do by God's grace, but it doesn't feel like it very often. Anyone who has any awareness of their own sin, of their own failing before God, knows how often they fail, knows how much they sow poorly. And like I said, in parenting, boy, you see all your sins reflected in your kids. You see just mistakes that you made, or maybe if we'd done that, they would have turned out this way. You see cause and effect over time, maybe like no other area of life. You see cause and effect. You see sowing and reaping. It, it, it's like, oh, I, we had this philosophy, and therefore our kid turned out this way. You just, you see things like that. And it's not always, unfortunately, very flattering. There are so many things that you can control, and some of them, you, you probably say, you know, I, I did well. Uh, some of them, maybe you didn't. And then there are the things you can't control. Your past, the baggage that you bring, the teaching that, you, you know, your economic status. I suppose you can control your economic status. But you know what I mean? Like, you have all these things that are kind of outside of you, that are kind of what, just what God's given you. And you have to work with those things. It's like, if you're sowing, then you have a certain kind of ground. And maybe it's a little bit better, or a little bit worse. Maybe you have a certain kind of sun, a certain kind of terrain, whatever. And, and so you sow, and then you reap, and things happen. And it's hard to think about that. It's kind of depressing to think about that for anybody. I mean, I hope it's a joy to think about that for some of us too. I hope we do have places where we can say, I sowed well and I reaped well. But I think we can all probably think of places where I sowed poorly and I reaped poorly. Or I'm afraid I'm sowing poorly right now and I don't know what I'm going to reap. Again, if we're honest with ourselves. So what do we do with that? Well, my, I didn't bring this up so we could all be depressed. God is merciful. God is gracious. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is able to take our tiny acts of faith, those embers, and fan them into flame. We've all sown to the flesh. There's not a person in this room who hasn't sown to the flesh. That's why Jesus came. One of the most beautiful, I think one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, you know, a physician, Jesus says, a physician doesn't come for those who are well. A physician comes for those who are sick. And Jesus is the great physician. So yeah, we haven't sown well. We have done badly. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. And as Jake has been teaching us in our Who is Jesus series, as, as, as the, what do you call it? After the prayer of confession, the, the, the 
the assurance of pardon. As Ben read in the assurance of pardon today, he knows our weaknesses. He's been tempted in every way without sin, but he knows our weaknesses. Jesus understands actually what it is. I mean, he was a baby. He understands what it is to be a baby. He understands what it is to be a child. He understands what it is to be a mother. I mean, he wasn't ever a mother, but he was around them. A lot of them paid for his ministry, basically. Jesus had women of all classes that he interacted with. He gets it. Everything we talked about, all the fears, all the disappointments, all the material things and spiritual things, Jesus has been there. He's seen it. He's, he has experience of it. Real life on the earth, down, boots on the ground experience he's got. And he is good. And he is prepared to bless, as I said, our measly, pathetic acts of good and bear good fruit with them. I mean, he also enables our measly, pathetic acts of good. And then he blesses them. I used this analogy before. Theo now, as I said, walks everywhere and gets into everything. But for a while there, she was learning how to walk. And I would say, come here, come on, come here, here, Theo. You can walk over. And then, like, Meredith would take her like a marionette and walk her over to me. And then I'd say, good job, you did it, yay! And that is a pretty good analogy for who God is. He tells us what to do. He does it on our behalf, makes us do it, carries us through it, and then he rewards us for it. Because that's how kind he is. That's how good he is. So, as, as I said, there's, there's only one point in this sermon, and the point is, don't give up. Have faith. Wherever you are, as a mother, or as a mother supporter, husband-type person, whether you're at the changing diapers phase or the praying for your hard-hearted teenager phase or the butting heads with your obstinate seven-year-old phase or the fighting the pride inside of yourself as you see the pride that you've reared up in your 10-year-old phase or the working through things through with your husband phase. Don't give up. Have faith for that. God is good. He will enable you to do the things that he requires of you. And he, he, will, he will tell you what to do. He will give you the power to do it. And he will bless you. So do not grow weary in well-doing. Do not grow weary in well-doing. No matter how bleak it sometimes seems, don't give up. I, I didn't tell my, my mom. Is actually She's never been here for any of the times that I've preached, but she's here today. And I thought I'd talk about her for a minute. Because uh, the reason this is personal to me is because I owe everything to my mom. Not because she was perfect. If you talk to her afterwards, she will tell you she was not perfect. But because she did not grow weary in well-doing, in doing good. I have to talk a little bit. In order to tell the story, I have to talk a little bit about my dad who is not a godly man. I don't want to be dishonoring to him, but I do, I do want to give you the bare details of the story so you'll understand my mom. Uh, she married very, very quickly and impetuously to a man who she thought was godly because he talked a, a spiritual kind of a talk, but he did not turn out to be a godly man. He 
did not work hard to support the family. He, I think, I remember hearing he only brought in less than 20K for many of the years of the marriage, maybe all the years of the marriage. He paid very little attention to his three boys. To, to, I was the oldest son, and then I had two younger brothers. Uh, my abiding memory of him is him on a chair with his nose buried in a book, usually a book of theology or some weird spiritual book, because he, he was kind of one of those weird spiritual guys. Um, and so I don't remember doing a lot of things with him. I don't remember spending a lot of time with him, but I remember him just reading his books and kind of pretending like the chaos of the house was not going on around him. Uh, in my early years, we would hop from church to church to church because we didn't want to get planted anywhere. We wanted to avoid actually the things that, the good things that come with life together, like accountability, like growth, like discipline, like, like actually loving each other. Uh, my, my dad was not interested in those things. And so we would go from church to church and church and church and church. And things got progressively harder between my parents and it affected the boys, right? Probably the, like if you want, the origin story of Nathan. My origin story is I'm 10 or something and I wake up in the middle of the night and I hear my parents fighting in the other room. And I had not really been aware of how bad things were. I don't think I was aware things were bad at all. I just kind of, you know, you, what, what you grow up with is normal. I just assumed this is normal. And then I hear them fighting and it all just snaps into place. It's like the puzzle piece. And I'm like, oh, everything's not okay. Everything's not okay. My, mar- my parents' marriage is falling to pieces and I'm not, I don't have a good father. And isn't that interesting? That's, I never knew that before, but now I know it. And it was all like one moment I didn't know it, the next moment I did. And it was this profound profoundly scary realization, right? And I had to fight through a lot of sin and bitterness and anger and things like that. Um, And I did all the usual rebellious things that a kid would do who has parents who aren't thriving. Things were pretty bleak. Things were pretty bad. Things were pretty not good. (laughs) But through it all, my mom did not grow weary in well-doing. She prayed for her kids and she fought for her kids. When we finally landed in a good church, the church that would eventually plant Church of the King, she said to her husband, we have to stay here. We, can we please? We need a stable church for, for these boys. And he relented. And she remained faithful to that church as my dad became more angry at it because the church was noticing things that were wrong with him, with with their marriage. When I had problems, which I had a lot of through my teenage years, big problems, big sins, police, things like that, you know, my mom was there to talk with me. I mean, when I think about my mom and I think about what I love about her, it's five o'clock in the morning, I have a problem, and... There she is. She's awake. She, 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 she would wake up really early. We had a paper route that we did together back in the old days. And 
things like that. And so we would just talk about what was going on in my life, about how I felt about who God was, who I should be. And those conversations, I couldn't tell you anything specific about them, but they were the anchor that kept me connected to the things of God. And they just happened over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, my mom would drag me to the pastors. Uh, there's a, one of our, our, our junior high youth group leader, who's been doing it for something like almost 20 years, in Bloomington, likes to tell the story of my mom going to him when my little brother was in youth group and saying, hey, John's doing bad on his, uh, you know, his algebra test. So can, can you work that into your youth group lesson tonight? And he would do it. She would go to him all the time and give him like a tip. And then he'd bring the hammer down. So I was thinking about algebra lessons today. Um, so it was all part of a conspiracy. My mom was in that awesome motherly conspiracy with the pastors. My mom was also, is also hardcore. Just this morning, she was, I didn't tell her like, oh, gee, I'm nervous about the sermon, mom, or anything like that. But she just said this morning, Nathan, you know, you just need to say the things that God wants you to say, and maybe it'll be good, maybe it'll be bad, but uh, God will use it. It's not about you. Okay, thanks. I still want it to be good, though. Well, yeah, of course, but God, God will use it. Just, just trust him. I remember another time where we were sitting in church, and it was actually another, it was Mother's Day, must be 20 years ago now, and the pastor's talking about he says something like, all the mothers here have such obedient, dutiful sons. And my mom elbows me and says, not me. <laughs> and that's just my mom. She told the truth to me again and again and again and again and again. She was, you know, she would say she was joking about that one. She did not grow weary in well-doing. And for, I think for each one of our, her sons, there were extended periods, years, where it looked like they may not be embracing Christ, where it looked like they may be falling away. And she just kept praying and kept doing things and kept talking and kept rebuking. And what I am, I owe to her. All of it. I owe it to God, but she was God's instrument. All three of her sons now have wives, have kids, walk with Jesus, and, and she really is the reason. And it was long, hard faithfulness over years and years and years. And so, whatever your circumstances are, wherever you find yourself in life, do not grow weary in well-doing. God can give you the reward, and he will. But it can take a long time. I'm not saying God always promises to make things go the way you want them to go as long as you wait long enough. No, God is sovereign and his will can be hard sometimes. But it says right here in our passage, verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Do not give up doesn't just mean I'm down today, but I'm not going to give up. It means I'm down this year, but I'm not going to give up. It means I've messed up a lot of things, or my kid has messed up a lot of things, and I'm not going to give up. In due season, we will reap. So what does 
everything I'm talking about today not mean? What it doesn't mean is be a control monster, be a helicopter parent, arrange every little, you know, I got to have every little thing in order. You can't. Like I said, you can't control for everything. You can't do everything perfectly. That's the whole point. You are a sinner. And life is hard. And the world is broken. So, moms, take your fears to God again and again. Apologize to your kids again and again. Get done apologizing. Sin the same sin two minutes later. Apologize three minutes later. That's the Christian life. Do the work. Again and again and again. Talk things through with your husband. Again and again and again. Figure it out. I mean, the thing that I didn't emphasize, but if, if, if anybody goes up to my mom after this and asks her about the story that I embarrassed her with, she'll say, I was terrible. I was sinful. I didn't do anything right. And she'll, you know, if she wants to, she'll list all the terrible things that she did wrong. And she's not lying about that. She's not being false humble. She did do everything wrong, really. (laughs) But she had faith in God's kindness. She clung to his promises and she never gave up. And I'm so thankful for that. That is, I mean, if, if there's anything that you like about me, it's because of that. It's one-to-one. She just never gave up. She never grew weary in well-doing. So let's not grow weary in well-doing. Let's make it easy for our moms, kids. Let's obey. Let's be cheerful. Teenagers, that goes for you too. Let's discipline our kids' dads to make it easy. Discipline our kids' dads. Let's discipline our kids, comma, dads, so that it's easy on mom. Let's love our, our mothers today. Let's appreciate them and let's, let's, make it, let's make it easy for them. Whether, you're a, whether your mother is like a mother in the church, a mother in Israel, or your biological mother, say thank you today. Make it easy for them. And moms, don't grow weary in well-doing. Let's pray. Your Father, we thank you for Mother's Day. We thank you for our mothers. Thank you for my mother. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for giving us the church to be our mother. Thank you for um, all your many, many blessings. I pray that every mother here's heart would be encouraged and that uh, she would not grow weary in well-doing. In Jesus' name, amen.